last Sunday. The title of the message was Perfectly Imperfect. What I wanted to talk about last week is that when we come together in Christ, God uses imperfect people, which is me and you and all of us, and He accomplishes a perfect work through that. And the biblical understanding of perfection is not without flaw, but rather it is to be made complete. And when we come together as the body of Christ, that's when we are complete, right? There's no such thing in the New Testament as a Christian who is disconnected from the body of Christ or from the church. It would be just as ridiculous to say that you are a complete person without injury or without flaw if you were to look over into the seat beside you and to see your hand just sitting there disconnected from your body. Right? That would make no sense. Like, yeah, you got problems. Well, if you are a Christian and you were disconnected from the church, you got problems too. Cool. It's going to be like that. Next week, I want to talk about the culture-defining pursuits of Lifehouse Church. Another phrase that you could use would be core values. But I like pursuits because we are running this race together. Amen? I'll go ahead and give you this a sneak peek. The, the number one and primary culture-defining pursuit of Lifehouse Church is that we are pursuing the presence of God together. And above everything else that defines us, our pursuit of His presence will define us. Amen? February 18th, the next Sunday after next week, we are going to be having our seed offering Sunday. And we're going to talk about we are preparing for a harvest, a harvest of souls. And so if we want to reap a harvest, the first thing we got to do is plant some seed in the ground. Amen. And so we're going to be obedient to the Lord. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit what He would have us give. And we are going to be cheerful givers. The preacher's not going to get up here and try to manipulate you. The preacher's going to get up here and do his absolute best to proclaim to you the truths of God's Word. And you, because you are men and women of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit of God, you are going to listen to what the Spirit says. And you are going to operate in faith. And you are going to give according to obedience the way He tells you to give. Right? Right? Come on, you can talk to me. It's okay. I won't, I won't hurt you. Right? Amen. Listen, I don't need this. I need, I need someone talking to me, okay? Preaching is a participatory sport. It is not, you didn't come here to watch a show, all right? I ain't that good. I need, I need, I need your participation with me today. Today, however, I want to preach about the mission and the purpose of Lifehouse Church. The purpose that God has called us to as individuals, as a church, as families, as fathers, as mothers, as sons, as daughters, uh, will always be threatened by passivity in some form. Right? Whatever the purpose or the mission or the goal God has given you, will in some capacity be threatened by passivity. And what I mean by that, at some point in time, it is going to be easier for you to sit on the sidelines and watch life happen to you instead of getting in the middle of the mix and living life, right? There, there's a temptation to just stop trying, to stop caring, to stop, to stop pursuing, if you will. But I want to remind you today that we have been called to fight the good fight of faith. And there is no room in the kingdom for passive believers. Amen. And so first and foremost, with that thought of mind, you need to remember that our spiritual enemy 
is a real enemy. He's not made up. The devil is real, and his goal in your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to annihilate your family. He wants to steal your hope for the future. He wants to destroy the godliness and holiness that is living inside of you. He wants to, he wants to steal all the joy and all the peace that God has for you. He's real. And when you have conflicts with people, you need to remember that your battles is not, is not with flesh and blood. But with powers and principalities and evil forces, right? Your, ba- your battle is against the devil. And when you have ought with other believers, you need to hear this right here, right now. And we're going to talk about this next week. And I even mentioned it last week, but I feel like the Lord's bringing me back to it. Because what he's called us to do is too important for us to allow petty squabbles to get in the way of the work of the kingdom. And I want to tell you with all the love in my heart, but with all the truth of God's word, that if you allow bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, and unconfronted issues to linger in this church, God rebuke you because you are one of the problems, you are one of the obstacles that the Holy Spirit is having to overcome to move in this place correctly. Because if there's anything evident in Scripture, is that God honors unity, but He rejects bitterness and unforgiveness. So you better to get your crap figured out. If you came to this church looking for patty cake preaching, listen, we ain't that place, all right? I'm done playing games. My manager, when I worked at Piggly Wiggly, he used to tell me, he he said, Drew, he said, I don't play games. I quit school because of recess, all right? I'm not up here to give you motivational speeches. If you want that, go to YouTube. They're a dime a dozen, all right? I'm not up here to tell you how to live your best, blessed life. If you want that, go buy a book and do what it says. I ain't got nothing against that, but that's not the mandate and the mission God's called me to do. He's called me to rightly divide this word. He's called me to confront sin. He's called me to call his people to holiness, all right? Because he wants to do a work in this house, and he wants to do a work in your house. Right, And that means that you turn from the ways of this world and you turn to the way of Jesus. Plain and simple, no questions asked. You understand? Some of y'all showed up for the first time today and you said, my God. I miss the Lord. You okay? Facebook done kicked us off, I bet. It's gone. Can't handle that truth. Your enemy is real and he wants to destroy you. But when he can't destroy you, he tries his next best tactic. He wants to distract you and discourage you. Distraction and discouragement take purpose-filled men and women of God. And, they, and it turns them into purpose-less, passion-less, passive sleepers. And that's why Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Get up. Wake up, sleeper. John Fall was in here first service. He had a drink that he had got from Dutch Bros. And, he, and it was called the, the white chai latte zombie something or another juice. Am I, I'm, I'm on the right track. Zombie was in the word. It was in the title. 
And there are many people in the church today, I'm not necessarily talking about this church, but maybe this does apply to you, that you have had an encounter with God, but since that encounter, you have gone to sleep, you've become a passive believer, and you are like a zombie, you are like a dead man walking. You are like somebody who has experienced the power of God, but now there is no life inside of you because you have gone to sleep to the things of God. And I am here today, I have a mandate from God to tell you to get up. It is too it is it is too late in the day of this world for passive sleepy believers to know, to 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 fill up our churches. We need and the kingdom needs men and women of God who are set on fire by the Holy Spirit to go out into this world to be the light of the world to this world and to reveal to them that listen God is not dead. He is well and he is alive and and he is real and he wants to move in your life. Come on, can somebody help me preach that this morning? And so I know that in this church, it's a new season, right? It's a new day. Jesus is calling Lifehouse Church away from passivity and into purpose. Moms and dads, grandfathers, grandmothers, boys and girls, husbands and wives. If you were at the men's breakfast yesterday, hopefully you got a little fire under your rear end from that too. It's time to get up. It's time to get moving. It's time to get busy. It's time... To get passionate for the kingdom of God. It's time for us to be like Moses who didn't discover his purpose until he was 80 years old by the way. So I don't know how old you all are but there's still hope for you right. At 80 years old he he begins to, to, to live in the purposes that God has called for him to do. So it's not too late. And he wrote this in Psalms 90 12. He said teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. In other words, life is short. You better spend your time doing things that matter. Right? And and I believe that it's time that we, as men and women of God, we stop wasting our prayers asking and begging God for an easier life. And we start praying prayers that, that... Help us engage the challenges of the day and help us overcome, right? It's time that we stop asking God to make our life better. And it's time we start asking God to help make our lives count. So let's talk about the mission of this church. It's a new season. And God is on the move. It's time for greater focus, though. What we've done to get where we are will not take us where we need to be. We have to shift. We have to, we have to pivot. We have to understand that the blessings that God has given us are great and they are good. But we, if we do not steward them accordingly, they will be wasted. And for a long time in our church... We have said that our mission, or, or rather that Lifehouse exists to show the world that they are loved and highly valued. And that's a beautiful statement. And, and the heart behind that statement is not going away, but it will no longer serve as our guiding purpose and principle and mission. And I want to say this too, that one of the best things about this church is that it is a loving church. It is a welcoming church. People genuinely care for one another. And that is something that has been ingrained in our culture for several years now. And it is not going away and it is not changing. 
Amen? But several months ago, I began to take issue with this statement in my heart because I recognized something about it that was not true to the Word of God, which I know sounds crazy because, of course, people are loved and highly valued, and people need to know that, and people do need to know that. But that can't be the guiding focus of our church. Because Jesus was very clear in how he ordered things. When he was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said, what's the first and greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And so, so the mission of our church cannot put people first. It has to put God first. He has to be the chief cornerstone, right? He has to be the center. He has to be the chief pursuit. He has to be the foundation of what this church is built on. Not people, but God. And then Jesus goes on and he says, The first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, so here's, here's the way you need to understand that. I, am, I first have to love God. And then I love people. But I can't love people if I don't first love God. I can say I love people, and maybe it is a type of love, but it is not the best kind of love I could offer if it is not first filtered through my love of God. And I can also say this is true too. You can't tell me you love God if you don't love people. Right? And so, with that thought in mind, this church can't be the church in this new season as we move forward that God has called us to be if He is not the center of all that we do. And so with that in mind, Lifehouse Church exists to glorify God and make disciples. He is our chief pursuit. He is the foundation of this church. His presence is what we want, right? And to glorify Him is my number one job as a human being. I used to tell my youth ministry when I was a youth pastor, the point of you is to point to Him, right? That's the whole point of my life, right? And to make disciples. So let's talk about glorifying God. How do we... How do we glorify God? Now, I'm not going to be able to dive into all the different ways this, is, this happens in our life because I don't have six weeks to, to break this down this morning. I have just a few minutes until you start getting up and leaving at least, right? And so I can't say everything I want to say, but I'm going to do my best to say what I need to say. So how do we glorify God? First and foremost, we glorify God by worshiping God. Now, now that actually leads us to a question, because what is worship? Is worship singing songs that the team leads us in on Sunday mornings? Well, yeah, it is. But that's not all of it, right? No, 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 that's a, that's a way of worship, that's part of worship, and, it's a, and it is a very important part of worship. Getting together with other believers and lifting up Jesus is, is incredibly important to a fulfilled life of glorifying God. But in its most basic sense, worship is a continuous outpouring of all that I am, of all that I do, and of all that I ever hope to be in light of a chosen God. I'm going to say it again. Worship is a continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I ever hope to be in light 
of a chosen God. Now, the question that you have to ask is, will the God in that statement for your life be a lowercase g or a capital G? That's the question that you've got to figure out. That's the question that only you can answer. Is the God I'm worshiping going to be the God of all creation, the God of heaven and earth? Or is it going to be a God that I have made up to give me purpose? You see, the object of our worship becomes the source of our purpose. So if you are a person who worships possessions, the things that you own are what's going to give you purpose. If, 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 if you care too much about what people think, if what others think is what gives you purpose, then, then your God is popularity. If, if what you feel gives you purpose, then your God is pleasure. I don't feel like worshiping today, Pastor Drew. I've had a long week. I stayed up real late last night watching Netflix. I don't care. My baby kept me up all night. I don't care. Everybody in this church got babies. Everybody's up all night with babies. Pick a number. I don't care. If you walk into this building and you don't worship the Lord the way he is worthy of worship because you don't feel like worshiping, you just became your own God. You just said, you know what? How I feel is more important than who he is. The Lord gave me this. I didn't say this in first service, but there's people... Maybe in this room, but there's certainly people in the church for sure. Your God is your kids. Your life revolves around your children. Your money revolves around your children. Your calendar revolves around your children. You miss church because of your children. Can I tell you something? That's the greatest disservice you could ever do to your kids. Because number one, you're not exemplifying for them what it looks like to be a man or woman of God. Number two, you're putting a weight on them that they weren't created to bear. Only God can wear the weight of worship. Your kids can't do it. I just heard everybody's feeling in the room right now. But Jesus was very clear. He said, if you come to me and you put anybody, your mother, your father, your children, your, your, your sister, your brother, whatever, wife, husband, if you put anybody before me, you can't be my disciple. And some of you are worshiping your children with the way you live your life, they have become the object of your purpose. And it's, it, I t I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm, just, I'm trying to help you. I really am. This isn't because I, I, I want to call anybody out. And I'm not calling anybody out. There's no names in my mind right now. But I'm telling you that your children can't bear that weight. They weren't made for that. You, you've got to stop doing that. Not just for your sake, but for their sake. Right? You guys okay? About half of you are okay. The other half, you just got convicted. I can't help that. I'm serious. If that hurts your feelings, then it was for you. And I mean that from nothing but a place of love, not from a place of condemnation. All right? And, and I'll be the first to tell you, I love my baby girls. Right? You come hurt one of my kids, I will, I will take you out. Right? Okay? But they can't be the center of my life. Maybe I should say this too. I said this in the men's breakfast yesterday. Parents, the greatest gift you can give your children is a healthy marriage. Where your spouse... Yeah. Somebody go ahead and send a text to Lori and tell her I'm sorry. This is going to take a while. Lori leads our kids' ministry for everybody who don't know. You see, when we worship 
things besides God, what we're essentially saying is this person or this item or this feeling, it's what gives my life meaning and purpose. And if this thing were out of my life, I would have no purpose. But when we worship God, He becomes our source. He becomes the one who dictates how I spend my time, how I spend my energy, how I spend my money. And he becomes the one who influences my decisions, my reactions, and my relationships. He becomes the one who gives my life meaning and purpose. And listen, power and popularity and possessions, those things will fade away. Listen, let me tell you something, Mommy. Your baby's going to grow up, and they're going to move out, and they're going to leave the house, and they're going to break your heart, right? And no longer are you going to be able to revive your life around that kid because they are gone, and they are out of that house. But listen, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Holly, holding them back, back there. <laughs> don't go. I don't like it either, guys. <laughs> I've been praying, like, just raise up future staff members for LifeHouse out of my home. You see, we, we glorify God by worshiping God. We also glorify God by living for God or about living a godly life. You see, glorifying God isn't just something that happens on a Sunday morning when we gather to worship, although, again, that is a large part of it. But more than that, it's a posture. It's a, it's a posture of the heart. It's a mindset. It's a way of life. I, I referenced it earlier. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, right? You are a, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, everybody say in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, we glorify God by shining light, lights in a dark world. Here's the deal. You can go out of this out of this church. You can get on social media. You can go into your workplace. You can go in to, to wherever you want to go into. You can go into the schools. You can go into the university. And you can complain about the darkness or you can be the light of the world. But you can't be both. You can't do both. You cannot be a light while you're complaining about the dark. You can't expect people who have not had a transformational experience with the power of God to behave as if they have. You can't expect them to love Jesus the way you love Jesus. But what God expects of you is for you to walk right up in that darkness and for you to shift the atmosphere because of the light of the world that lives inside of you. And when you walk into the room, everything changes. We sing that song of, you know, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Can I tell you something? You, the same power that raised him from the dead lives in you. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, 11. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. When you walk into the room, if everything doesn't change, it ain't their fault. It's yours. What's in you? Light or darkness? Patty cake preaching. It's gone, guys. I'm sorry. I misspoke and I said pancake preaching first service. That sounded good, too. That may still exist. You see, you're the light of the world when you come to church. You're the light of the world when you serve in the nursery. You're the light of the world when you lift hands and sing, when you pray and you read your Bible, when you fast. Anybody fasted lately? We don't like that one, do we? And I was like, you know, I'll just pray and read my Bible. No, sometimes you need to push the plate back, not because you're trying to get something from God, but because you're trying to get to God. You starve your flesh, you feed your faith. 
right? So, so you're the light of the world when you fast. You're the light of the world when you share your faith. You're the light of the world when you praise and you worship in your car. Anybody been lifting hands in their car lately and then you got to grab the wheel back real fast, right? This gives a whole new definition to Jesus take the wheel, don't it? You're the light of the world when you read a book that builds your faith. But I want to tell you, you are also the light of the world when you take your kids to school, when you take your kids to the ball field, when you prepare dinner for the family, when you go to work in the morning, when you go to class, when you go shopping, when you cut the grass. Come on, help me out now. When you take out the trash, when you change a diaper, when you change a tire, when you spend time with friends and family, when you go golfing, fishing, to the movies, to the gym, to the beach, or to the mountains, you are the light of the world wherever you go because the light of the world lives in you. It's kind of like what Paul said. Can you give me just a touch more monitor, Brian? He says, so whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do everything to the glory of God. Come on, can we just take 60 seconds? Can we get up, like get up, and can we glorify the Lord in this house this morning? Come on, glorify his name. Come on, Lifehouse, he's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. Mm. Praise God. Oh, he's so worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. Not just on Sundays, not just when the preacher said stand up, but everywhere. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you're in a situation and you feel a praise in your heart that wants to get out, but there's something in your brain that says, oh, I better not do that. People are looking. You tell that voice to shut up. And you just begin to speak out the goodness of God. You begin to praise. You begin to worship, right? You can, you can be seated if you want to be. You don't have to be, but you can be. So we have been called, Lifehouse Church exists to glorify God and, everybody say and, make disciples. Not win the lost, because that's included. Because I can't disciple somebody that hasn't had uh, had an experience with Jesus, right? But make disciples. That means that we're not just interested in salvations. But we're interested in generational lives changed. We want to see God make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's how churches are changed. That's how communities are changed. That's, that's, how, that's how the world is changed. Right? That, that we would make Disciples, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you right now, here's here's a hard truth, but it is still the truth. Before you can make disciples, you must first be a disciple. Before you can make disciples, you must first be a disciple. The, the word disciple in Greek is matheteo. It essentially means a person who has committed their life to following in the footsteps of their master. Now, the question that you have to ask yourself is, who's my master? 
Am I my master? Because, because if I do what I want to do, if I, if I act and behave the way I want to act and behave, if I speak the way I want to speak when it's in contradiction to the way God has told me to behave or to speak, then that means I am my own master and I'm not following Jesus. I'm following my sinful nature. No, 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 if Jesus is our master, that means we're not, a, we're not just a fan of Jesus. There's a lot of people in churches. There's a lot of people not in churches. Oh, yeah, Jesus, great guy. Great guy. Said a lot of great things. There's a lot of people who would say, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't want to be rude about it, but the Bible even tells us that even the demons in hell believe in Jesus. Believing is not enough. Being a fan is not enough. Do you, are you following Jesus? Do you smell like Jesus? Do you look like Jesus? Are you, are you, go, are you close enough to Him that, 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 that you, you recognize His scent, that you recognize His presence? When, are you, do you see His steps and, you, and you, try to, you try to put your feet down behind Him? Are you following Jesus? Or are you just taking a walk? It means I do what he says to do. It means, it means I go where he leads. It means that he gets say so in my life over how I spend my time, over how I spend my money, over how I spend my energy, over the words that come out of my mouth, even over the sounds and images I allow into my brain. He gets say so over that. He gets say so over the way I take care of my body. Because my body is his temple. My body's not mine. According to the scriptures, I've been bought with a price. Jesus shed his blood to purchase me from the grips of sin. And I am now crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I don't have say so over my body. I don't have say so over anything because he's my master. He's in charge. He gets to call the shots, not me. And I know, can you guys hear me okay? I know I'm getting a little... I'm okay if you're okay. I'm going to say this, and I know it's hard, but here's the truth that you need to understand. Now, I know the church has done an incredible disservice to explaining the gospel properly in the last several decades. And we have convinced people that the gospel is nothing more than believing Jesus died for my sins and praying a prayer of repentance. And that's not to say that that's not part of it, but it's not all of it. Because Jesus also said, if you want to come, if you want, if you want to come after me, if you want to go where I'm going, if you, if you want to belong to me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you're not following Jesus, again, I know this is confrontational, but I don't say this from a place to condemn you. If, if, if this convicts you, then that means that that's a good thing. That means God loves you enough to say, hey, you need to listen to this and you need to change some things in your life. That's a good thing. The Bible's very clear. God disciplines those he loves and he loves you. Okay? But if you're not following Jesus... If you don't look like Jesus, if you don't act like Jesus, if you're not in love with Jesus, if you're not growing closer to Jesus, then you don't belong to Jesus. You're like the zombie, right? 
You know just enough to look the part. But you haven't experienced new resurrection life yet. And before we can make disciples, we have to be disciples. Not fans, not believers, but followers. And the only reason this sounds radical is because contemporary Christianity has watered down the truth of God's word so much. But, but understand, what sounds radical now to the Acts church, status quo. It was like, you know, God, there's, I, just, I just read it the other day. You guys okay? I just read the story of Stephen again the other day in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 7. He's called by God to, to wait tables at, at the church. To make sure that people who need food get food. He ain't a preacher. He, he, he ain't a teacher. He's just a person. And he gets questioned about his faith. He, gets, he starts talking. I'm super summarizing here, right? An old boy full of the Holy Spirit begins to preach one of the baddest, most awesome sermons in the entire New Testament. Straight up calling them Pharisees out on the carpet, right? I mean, I'm reading that and I'm like, whew, man, he brave, right? The waiter turned, you know, whatever, like he's ready to go. And they kill him. Now, hopefully none of us are actually having our lives threatened for our faith. But the bigger problem that we have to fight is dying to ourselves for our faith. You guys still with me? I'll try to move quickly. Let's just sing that one more time. I want you to also understand that it, as a disciple, it doesn't mean you're perfect, right? I want, I want to make that clear. I don't, want you, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, I can't be a disciple, it's too hard. That's not what I'm saying. It's not hard. You just find Jesus and you say, oh, this way. All right, let's go. Let's, mm-hmm. All right, here we're going. But as a disciple, there will be times where you will mess up, where you will trip up, where you will fall down. And that's, that's okay. Thank God for his grace, right? Thank God for mercy. Just don't let those mistakes define you. Just get up. Allow Jesus to, to, to brush the dust off of you and say, oh, you know what, Jesus? You were going this way, and, and, and something caught my eye over here. You know, squirrel, whatever. Something caught my eye over here, and, and I started going this way, and, and, I, and I tripped up, and then I looked, and I saw you were over there, and Jesus says, listen, that's okay. Turn from the way you were going and turn back to the way that I'm going. That's called repentance, right? And once you have this settled in your heart, that's when you can get busy making disciples, right? I want to encourage you, get familiar with His presence. Study His Word. It may not mean that you, uh, you know, have a theology degree or have a bunch of scriptures memorized or even know all the Bible stories. But start getting familiar and start taking somebody else along the way with you, right? Go find somebody who doesn't know quite as much as you do and say, listen, let me tell you about the Jesus that I found. Let me tell you about what he did in my life. And when they ask a question that you don't know, you go find Brad and he'll tell you the answer, right? You just need to be available. You just need to be willing. You just need to have your eyes open. Because if you will ask God, God, help me to see people that need what I can give them to help them become a disciple. Man, he will open up your eyes. He will open up your ears. And LifeHouse is committed 
more than we ever have been before to making disciples and helping people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Not fans, not believers, but followers of Jesus. And that is effective in this church from the youngest baby in the nursery to the oldest senior saint in the auditorium. That we exist primarily and first and foremost to glorify God and to make disciples. And we need you and we need each other to help make this happen. Amen? I'm going to try to move fast. I really am. So first and foremost, how can you help Lifehouse be a church that makes disciples? First and foremost, commit to being a disciple. You know, just right now, Holy Spirit, please help me to be a disciple. Jesus, help me to follow in your footsteps. Help me to be close to you. Commit to being a disciple of Jesus. Number two, I want to encourage you to pray for this church. Pray for our leadership. Pray for the different ministry departments. Pray for our facilities. Pray that God would increase our finances, right? So commit to being a disciple and then pray. And listen, the reason why we put prayer before all the so-called practical stuff is because God moves in prayer, right? And we want to pray that the Lord would do great things in this church and that he would do great things in us, amen? And number three, step up to serve. Step up to serve. In January of this year, we had our highest attended month ever in the history of Lifehouse Church. The average attendance for January was 317 people. The other six Januaries that I have been the pastor of here, January was our lowest month of the year. I'm just saying. The Lord's doing something. So, so we, we literally made a list of all the people in the church, maybe not including some of the most recent uh, visitors who are hopefully getting plugged in and all the things. And maybe you're here today and this is your first time. We didn't count you either, okay? But we're going to count you after this Sunday because we have our claws in you and you can't leave, <laughs> right? But we, we counted around about 300 adherents. We'll use that word, right? And of those 300 adherents, over 100 of them are under the age of 12. Listen, I'm telling hey, if you're trying to have another baby, you're in the right place. There is more in this water than radiation and mercury. I'm just saying. Be careful. And, I, and I'll say this, I believe one of the main reasons why God is blessing us with families, with children, and I want to say this too, well, let, me, let me back up. You will not find another church in the entire state of Tennessee that has that ratio. Right? You won't. It just, it just, it's unheard of. When other pastors hear what our numbers look like, they are like, they don't believe me. The thing I'm making it up, I'm like, no, here are the names. Like, here's the people, man. Like, there it is. Everybody got kids and everybody got like 10 of them, it seems like. Right? And so, so, but I, I believe one of the reasons why God is blessing us in that way is because we have one of the best kids' ministries I've ever seen. Now, I want to be clear. We don't have the best facilities I've ever seen. Right? 
But in our leadership, because we value it the way we do, we have one of the best kids' ministries I've ever seen that is spirit-led, that is focused on pursuing the presence of God and making kids into disciples. Not just, oh, let's just go give them a little Bible story. But like if you walk in to the TOTS class, they have a curriculum. They are teaching them the Word of God, not, not you know, be nice and share. But they are showing them scriptural principles. And I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons why that we are seeing a blessing in that area of our church is because we are being faithful to to glorify the Lord and to train children, young children, how to glorify Jesus. And listen, as a father of three girls who are part of our kids' ministry, I am witness to it personally. And we praise the Lord. Can we praise God for that? But let me tell you practically what this looks like. It looks like that in an average month here at Lifehouse Church, we have about 42 people who have signed up to serve in kids' ministry. But to fully staff each class for two services over the course of one month, we need closer to 88. In other words, we need you to step up. To help us steward well what God has given us. And listen, one of the blessings that we have in having two services here at Lifehouse is that you can come to church for one service and you can praise and you can worship and you can glorify God with your celebration and receiving of His Word. And then the next service, you can go glorify God by loving some kids and some babies, right? Yeah, some of you need to start dying to yourself on Sunday mornings and realize that I can give up more than an hour and a half of my day. Right? And you can serve one and you can worship one. Or you can worship one and you can serve one. And do me a favor. If you come and you serve one, then you best get in here and worship the other. Don't just show up to work, but show up to glorify God and make disciples. Brad will tell me how I should have done this better after church. We need, we need you to step up. If, if, we want to, if we want to continue growing, if we want to continue making an impact in our community, if we want to stay where we're at, then fine, just sit on the pew and don't do nothing. Right? So we have high need areas. Kids ministry is our greatest need right now. Guest service is a great need in our church. Those are the front line men and women who sit out front and they hold signs, they shake hands. And listen, if you got a pulse, you can do that, right? And Chad and Sherry Eubanks will help you do it better than just a person with a pulse, right? They'll teach you how to smile. Look at that smile on Chad. He'll show you how to do that. Our media team needs, needs more men and women who are committed to learn the technology. Don't be intimidated by that technology. Get back there and learn it. The Lord will help you, right? And Brian will help you. The Holy Spirit plus Brian, you got this, right? You'll, you'll learn how to do it. Our worship team. Some of y'all need to go get music lessons. Jonathan said he'll start teaching people to play drums if you'll show up. Right? Listen, he's our only drummer in the church, and he's probably, the, outside of me, maybe the most faithful person to be here, right? And uh, I'm just kidding. You're all faithful, right? Amen? Some of y'all need to get music lessons. Join the worship team. Safety and security. We need you to step up. We need you to step up in all these areas. So, number one, commit to being a disciple. Number two, pray for Lifehouse. Number three, step up to serve. Number four, give. Give. Listen, we are outgrowing our facilities. 
We need more space. We need more classrooms. We need more restrooms. We need more equipment. We need more computers. We need more parking. And to expand takes resources. And resources come when God's people catch the vision that God has given us. And they are led by the Spirit. And they begin to just not give the minimum that they feel like they should give. But they go above and beyond. Not because they they feel guilted into it. But because they want to be part of something that has an eternal impact. And I want to encourage you to give, to give generously, to ask the Holy Spirit what He would have you give and give exceedingly abundantly above and you will find out that God will even more so give back to you exceedingly abundantly and above. Brad, would you get me a chair? I really am shutting her down this time. It's not one o'clock yet, I'm good. I don't know if my throat will let me. Every seat in this auditorium is spoken for by one of three people. The first person that this seat is spoken for by is the person who is far from the Lord. It's spoken for by the person who walked in today and they're struggling. They may be far from God or maybe they feel like God's far from them. And we're so glad that you're here. And I know this message is not typical. But I hope today that you will be encouraged. And I hope today that you will know that you are loved and highly valued. That God sent his son so that you could have new life in Christ. And that if you are walking through a valley today, even if he feels far, I assure you, he is closer than you can imagine. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, very quickly, I just want to ask you today, if you feel far from the Lord, or maybe you are struggling in some capacity, maybe it feels like God's far from you, I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I just want to pray for you right where you are because you are loved and you are highly valued and I believe God wants to move in your life. And so if that is you today in any capacity, would you just lift your hand high? Nobody's looking around. I won't tell anyone I see you. I see you, sweet. Is there anyone else? I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you, buddy. I'm trying to hide it, but I see you. Jesus sees you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these individuals would know that they are loved by you. That they would know that you were near. Your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted. And there's someone in this room today that needs to remember that you are near to them. That you love them that you have set them apart for your plan and for your purposes. God, I pray that if they need to repent of sin in their life, Lord, that they would give that to you and that they would turn to you and follow you. God, today I pray that if they are struggling in an area and they need faith to believe, Jesus, that you would bless them with faith, that you would shower them with compassion, 
and that, Lord, your love would make a lasting impact in their life today. In Jesus' name, amen. This first seat is reserved for those who are far from the Lord or feel that the Lord is far from them. You are always welcome at LifeHouse. You are always welcome here. The second person that has a chair reserved for them is the person that's new to the church. Man, every week it seems like I meet a new family who says, hey, we just moved to the area. And we're here and we're checking it out. Thank you so much for coming. We're so honored that you chose to come here. There's so many great churches in our community, and we want all of them to grow. We want all of them to be blessed. We want God to move in all of them. We also want Him to move here, and we want you to come to our church. But even if you don't come to our church, I want you in church, right? And so if you are new to LifeHouse, we got a seat for you. Even if somebody got us on the floor, we got a seat for you. And that was almost reality last Sunday. And in Jesus' name, it will become more and more common. We always got a seat for someone who's new. Once you've been here about three months, though, it's time to move into category number three. The third person that this seat is reserved for is the person who is actively living and following Jesus, who is, who is serving and giving up their time so that others can be blessed and, be, and grow in their uh, walk with Jesus, right? For people who are giving to the mission and to the kingdom to see the church grow and have healthy, not just healthy people, but healthy finances and for our facilities to, to, to be what they need to be and for all, all of the things to happen that need to happen, right? That's, so, so we have a seat for the person who's hurting. We have a seat for the person who's new. We have a seat for the person who, during first service, they just served. Right? Right? But what we don't have a seat for is for the person who just keeps showing up because they want to hear some music and hear a sermon and then go home and do nothing with what they've received. I love you so much, and I don't want you to leave. I want you to get up. I want you to catch the vision. I want you to get the call. I want you to understand that there's so much more to your life than walking around like a zombie, right? I want you to understand that God has called you to do more than to warm a chair on a church on Sunday morning. But if you've got your mind made up that all I'm ever going to do is take up space, I love you so much, but this ain't the church for you. This ain't the church for you. We got too much work. And we got too many people needing your seat for you to just take up space. I love you. And I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry with you. And I don't want you to leave. I want you to change. I want you to realize that the kingdom of God is too great to waste it by doing nothing. But if you've got your mind made up that all I'm going to do is take up space. This isn't the church for you. We don't do that here. That's not how we roll at LifeHouse. All hands on deck, amen? Come on, if you're ready to get up, can we just go ahead and get up and one more time honor the Lord with a shout of praise? Amen.
Come on, can we do a little better than that? Yes, amen. I want to invite my wife to come and receive communion with me. If you need the elements of communion, please raise your hand. You do not have to be a member of Lifehouse Church. You just need to be a follower of Jesus, right? Just raise it real high. Carlos is running around. We're partaking today, remembering the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. That because of what Jesus gave for us on the cross, we get to be called children of God. Amen. Paul says this. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the bread. He goes on and he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Can we just take hands all around the room today? And just join together in community with one another. If you don't want to hold hands, you can, you can do the shoulder thing. <laughs> Father God, we are grateful today that we get together together with the body of Christ. Lord, we are so grateful today for the love that you have given us, for the transformational power of the cross. God, we are thankful today for the empty tomb. God, we are thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, enabling and empowering us to glorify the Lord and to lead others to Jesus. God, I pray that as we remember what you've done for us, that we will not treat it lightly, but that we will take the mission to go into this world, to glorify God and to make disciples with all seriousness and sincerity, that wherever we go, that we would take this message of the good news of Jesus with us. God, that it would come to define every avenue of our lives. And God, that what you do in us would produce generational impact. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.